On this episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we sit down with Stephen Frankie from C1 Insurance. He's the vice president and co-founder. Yes, we're talking about insurance, but we talk about climate change, the potential risks that are going to be coming, how they're writing these potential risks into policies. We talk about the mess of California and Florida. You're welcome. Uh, And more importantly, a really interesting approach to how the home buying experience will be using an insurance agent to understand risk as well. It's going to be an incredible show. Tune in. You talk about it privately, we talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Twiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, a.k.a. Crazy Uncle Keith. Yes, sir. Tell us. We've got Stephen Frankie with C1 Insurance. He's the VP and co-founder there. What are we talking about? Yeah, riveting, right? A conversation, insurance. a conversation <laughs> on insurance. I, I know y'all can't wait to hit play on this episode, but it's actually but it, yeah. it was one of the more interesting conversations yeah. I think we've had since we started doing this. He dug in on the cost of insurance and some of the problems that have arisen over the last, say, ten ten years or so, and where it's headed with the uh, cost of insurance as well. Uh, he talked about climate change. Uh, James wanted me to make sure I did not call it global warming. We didn't uh, so want he to talks anybody about, off. Yeah. <laughs> so he talks about climate change, how that's changed uh, some of what's going on for insurance. Uh, we dug in on California and Florida and how they're they're a the poster child for a hot mess when it comes to insurance. And then <laughs> a really interesting conversation about how we might just need an insurance advisor as part of the home buying process. And that might be a good way to approach how you're doing it. Let's get going. Let's get it. Steven, welcome to the show. We are super excited to have you here to talk about insurance. Just kidding. Yeah. So <laughs> no one's, Nobody's ever put those <laughs> two words in the same sentence before. Yeah. Oh, you know, but look, I mean, there's obviously a lot going on in the insurance market. And, you know, we've got we've got you here as an expert to talk about this. You've been in this, doing this for a long time. Um, and it's, you know, it's a serious topic, too, because this is obviously affecting, you know, people being able to get houses, get insurance, the cost of all of that. So we'll we'll dive into that. But let's let's start with the the three minute background of who is Steven and C1 Insurance? Yes, yeah. we want to know. Yeah. And like one thing you normally wouldn't tell someone that when you're on a microphone. And then so tell, tell the listeners. Your yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Go. So Steven Frankie founded C1 Insurance Group back in October of 2011. Been in the insurance world for 15 years. Specialized in the personal line space. So property and casualty, personal lines, home and auto insurance. You know, sim- simply put. Um, insured billions of assets. We've grown to the top 1% of all independent agencies in the United States and uh, happy to be here. Excited. Awesome. Yes. So, so let's, let's go into the, the first, the first part of it. You know, we've got uh, insurance costs continue to, to spike on a massive level, especially over the past Mm -hmm. five years. Um, You know, let's talk about that. What's, what's causing it, what's happening, you know, give us some background. Yeah. So starting back in 2017, California was kind of a tipping point with the wildfires that happened in 17 and 18. So it always goes back. It always goes back to California. Yeah. I'm a Texan, so I've got my opinions on that, but we'll leave them. We'll, we'll leave them <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm a Californian and I've got my opinions. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Go ahead. Uh, but two years back to back, multi-billion dollar events. And prior to that, there had never been an event 
you know, with the genesis point from wildfire, oh, in excess of $5 billion ever. So, you know, you see that, those stack and double tap like that, it was kind of a tipping point. And then you go to the other side of the, of the United States over in, over in Florida, there were, you know, just significant issues with regards to tort reform, frivolous lawsuits against insurance carriers, hurricanes, sinkholes, things like that. And all this has started to happen and it started to roll back in 17, which is all driving to profitability issues for carriers. And it's just been, you know, uh, jet fueled with the, the COVID experience and the inflationary effects and cost of supply chain, things like that. It's been a unique sprint. Um, so, well, so I have a question because I think all of us, and me included, probably think that insurance, well, we don't have the best opinion of insurance companies. <laughs> no, so not, not, uh, the, yeah. not the insurance people. You're yeah, great. Yeah, not, not the ones that know. are bringing it, but the yeah. companies that yeah. underwrite yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys are pretty cool. So, but I, I think that, you know, you see you see these things on Congress. It's like, you know, insurance policies are doubling and, and insurance companies are going, oh, yeah, we can't we can't do this. And then you see like, you know, billion dollar profits. So yeah. is it is that a, is that false? Is that, you know, they're what's are they trying to understand their risk long term? Like what is what's some of the thoughts on that? Yeah. So, I mean. General thoughts is we've gotten to a spot that we're in as a consumer base because of the insurance carriers. And so what I mean by that is for years and years and years, insurance carriers were driving the consumer, the consumer behavior, the consumption of insurance to be commoditized. Uh -huh. So they're focusing the client for years of discount, double check, 15 minutes, 15 percent, all these things <laughs> that we all know. And so they're approaching insurance as a commodity, when in reality, mm -hmm. it's not. It's a financial tool. So what's happening is that all these insurance carriers are starting to bring on all these new, new clients. They're gaining market share because they're driving to the bottom line. Well, the issue that presented itself is that mm -hmm. if you're underpricing a solution and gaining market share, that's a bad situation for a carrier. Whenever catastrophic events like wildfires right. and hurricanes happen. Yeah, uh, right. So if you're competing on price for a long, long time yeah. and you have a pivot like you talked about where there are more expenses than there have been historically because of these uh, what were once unique events that are now becoming more common because of yeah. I don't know, we got houses where we didn't use to have houses and cities where we didn't use to have cities and all the all the reasons for it. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, your actuarial table falls apart, right? Because you put Absolutely. such downward pressure on price and upward pressure on expense. That That's makes it. sense. Yeah, you you mentioned briefly COVID and and some of the inflationary pressures that came into real estate on top of some of these sort of calamitous events that uh, became more common. Unpack that. Like, what did the supply chain? How did how did that influence insurance? Because you know, like, in, there, insurance is an idea and a concept. There's no supply mm -hmm. chain for a concept, right? So, <laughs> yeah. how did yeah. that? How did the supply chain break insurance? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. It's called no bullshit. good question. Right. Super unique event, right, in all facets of it, and it continues to unfold and it continues to impact us today. So supply chain and just general inflationary expenses, you know, claims are continuing to roll. So there's mm -hmm. consistency in the claim volume, but the volatility and the and the severity of them have increased. You blend in, you know, a 300% spike on lumber at, the, at midstream of 2020. And mm. if we've got wildfires or hurricanes or things like that, right. and they're having to reconstruct these homes, these insurance carriers are not modeling 
for a house that would traditionally take a hundred thousand dollars it's going to be now three four hundred thousand dollars to rebuild just because of materials and that's so difficult and impossible to predict insurance carriers they they like to believe that they can predict the future but unfortunately they're constantly reminded (laughs) they can't do that yeah Yeah. so they didn't Yo, go ahead, James. Go ahead. I was just going to say that. Well, finish your question, Keith. Cause I'm going to I'm going to take this off track. My brain's okay, so going a different they, direction. It, no one could model a 300 percent increase in lumber, a 200 percent increase mm-hmm. in labor, uh, and yeah. basically everything you needed. If if a tree fell and hit a house, it used to cost X, mm-hmm. and over the last several years, that's gone up to X times three or whatever, and yeah. no one had that modeled in on top of everything else. Plus, imagine if you're staying home more. I don't know, maybe there's fewer auto accidents, but probably more trip and fall hazards or whatever, right? So you got it. You you can see how everything, we we built it one way and it all shifted the other way. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, so now I'm going to ask my question because that's a really good lead in. Um, So NOAA, National Oceanographic, uh, shit, I don't know, whatever the other two letters stand for, (laughs) but basically NOAA came out with uh, a new. Is, is it is it weird that if it has to do with the ocean and did, isn't Noah the dude that got ate by the whale? I don't like, know. I have no idea. But it's just N O A A whatever whatever that stands for. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. And we're not talking about Moby Dick, Keith. So <laughs> yeah. we're no. We're, we're, <laughs> that was just a way of me calling you a dick this morning. So um, so basically, yeah, there it is. Somebody had to go take it there, uh, and they got to figure out how to put it on this out. one. Yeah. No, but so so Noah came Na- out with a new the report. National that I think is Oceanic Nick. Atmospheric Administration. There it is. Okay, yes. so National they, Oceanic. They came out with a new report showing the what they project, and and everybody's gonna have an opinion on this. But I, I'm just let's just take the time frames and say that there's somewhere in accuracy here of within 20 to 50 years. That number has been coming down. I will I will state it was used to be like 50 years and 75 years, and now it's like coming down less. Mm-hmm. Of essentially the effects of climate change and what it will do to, you know, essentially flood flood maps and risk mm-hmm. of fires and all of these things. Now I can state in living in California, we are feeling the effects of this. We have seen drought on a massive massive scale we've mm-hmm. never seen before in the history of the state. Massive fires because of these droughts. Mm-hmm. Whatever the point is, the pl- the climate's changing. So how? We talked about them not understanding risk. You mentioned with supply chain issues and just how could you know a tree was going to be 200% more than what it was a year prior. Well, now that they've got these these reports where they're saying this is what the future looks like and it does it's not pretty. Like if you look at them, uh, yeah. you know, I not to take it off track again, but is there a disclosure item here? You can take that in a different different podcast. But what yeah. are they are they going to start pricing that into the policies because they can see you know, this is going to get worse, not better. What's your yeah. take on that? Are you seeing that already? Are there, is there conversations about that? Yeah. No, I mean, uh, it's absolutely going to be priced. It's in the conversation phase. It's like, how do they model it? And how do they how do they trend? Because there's a balance of collecting the appropriate amount of premium, offering the layers of protection for the event that potentially will come, but also protecting the cost equation to the consumer today so that, so that they continue to consume the insurance. So there's like a balance right. there. And so yeah, if, you, if you factor, the more you factor in and the more you try to, you know, see what's going to happen. Well, every time you do that, you're going to add to the premium, right? Yep. And if you add enough to the premium, you, you might be well protected, but no one will buy it because right. the, liz- the little lizard will save you 15% in 15 minutes. It's not a lizard, is it? 
So then yeah. I'm going to ask this question just out of yeah. a strange, strange way to do it. If you're, if you're, if it's, if it's going to get too expensive, then one of the ways that they try to make it less expensive is get everybody into the insurance pool. I mean, that's, that's the concept, right? That's a path. More people, more people in spread the risk, right? Mm -hmm. So does it go down a road where it's like everybody has to pay for X type of insurance in order to cover everybody else? Like, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm going on a track here. Yeah, I mean, that's what's happening <laughs> in Florida. I mean, right now, the citizens pool for insu property insurance is that it is it is a true communal pool that on an annualized basis, uh, there is a there is a assessment on the on the policyholder. And so that's a government backed solution. So even if like I'm going to pay my premium, whatever that amount is, and then on any given annualized basis, citizens could come to their come to their uh, insured pool and say, we need to collect an additional X amount because of Y reason. Right. And so that's a path. I don't think that that's going to be consumed by the general consumer by base. The, by the country? <clears throat> no. So. You know, a thought that's been presented in my world is kind of how we approach health insurance and in specific emergency events. So it's kind of a co-insurance scenario that's presenting itself as to an optionality, um, meaning if you have to go to the ER today for whatever reason, your major medical is going to cover you for, you know, whatever percent you're on the hook for the Delta. And that is a path that I think is going to start to present itself because it's different than a deductible, uh, because right. you're, you're, you're sharing in that expense. That's, that's one off. That's probably a path that would be more consumed. The assessment path, you know, I don't think that that is going to be a product that's going to be presented in the private market, in the public, you know, in the public market, maybe. Maybe uh, states will roll that out. So what I hear you saying is some way, shape, or form, whether it's premium, uh, medical-style copay, mm -hmm. state-funded, we'll all kumbaya insurance together and then i'll call you once a year and ask for more money and we'll pass the hat but no matter how we do it <laughs> insurance we'll costs are going up period yeah. end of story yeah well uh, okay so i mean everything's continuing to go up it's like getting ridiculous but in but this in, will be an increase that everyone's going to see and experience like feel at feel a, it right at a, yeah at a real level right this will be a substantive increase in cost of insurance and it's unique, new, and highly disruptive because people are not used to seeing it in the insurance world. They're used to seeing right. a three, five, seven percent increase, not a 30, 50 percent increase. So now well, Geico is going to say something like, give us a call and we'll only increase your in premium for 15 percent in 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes. They're just not going to marketing anymore. They're just going right. to say, hey, no mas. You know, yeah, yeah right, yeah, right, yeah. right. So here's yeah. a here's an interesting one. So I I, I think about this. We had um, for those of the listeners who remember the Paradise Fire in California. For us, it's it's gen it's genuinely something everybody in the state of California is aware of. Um, mm -hmm. It was a it was an absolute catastrophe. I mean, literally uh, of, wiped out a town. It did, and it killed a lot of people. And my wife mm -hmm. was one of the reporters that got to go there. Or not that was there basically after, and it was it was a very it was difficult for her. Let's put it that way. So, yeah. um, I, I remember we, we went to, it's a story, but it's, it's really fascinating. There was a, there was a, a producer that went there to talk about this town and essentially how it was developed. And in, in, in essence, 
this was a rural town developed in a in a place that is a giant disaster for fires and it will happen again there's one road in and one road out for this town uh and the fire was moving at 80 miles per hour and there was no way for people to get out so the what was interesting about this documentary was how they went back how the town is rebuilding and the insurance companies were talking about if you if you build it with different materials that are essentially more resistant to fire and you change things like this i'm not making this up you change things like getting rid of the type of gutters that you have because what people don't know about fires i'm acutely aware of this because of my wife it's the ashes that get into the attic or the gutters that start fire that puts the roof on fire and like people don't realize this stuff yeah they're like if you do these changes your insurance policies will be less but nobody wanted to do it they were just like nah i don't want to pay the extra money for the gutters blah 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 so my question, I'm leading into this, is is there a point where the insurance companies are dictating the type of building and how things are structured in housing to lower the risk so that we don't end up in a scenario where we all live in Denver, Colorado, where there's no flooding and, you know, you, you know, you see where I'm going with that? Like, is there is yeah. there a point where they're now dictating in the home building process in order yeah, to get insurance? Yes in short and you know it's going to be it's going to be communicated based off of like pre-underwriting guidelines you know with regards to acceptable risks or not and it's going to be binary and mm -hmm. so there's going to be solutions out there for traditional built homes that were built back in the 50s 60s 70s and they're going to be priced accordingly you know from a new construction newer construction standpoint you can talk about building materials defensible space uh, fire retardant and fire mitigation tools, you know, in California, you know, yeah. now there is, you know, essentially a, a lawn sprinkler system, but it's for your house that, you know, can spray fire retardant foam on your home in the event of a wildfire event. And some carriers are starting to, you know, highly recommend it. It's not a requirement, but it's a recommendation. And so there's like, we got put as many layers of wool that we can on this thing. And knowing that it may not work, but we got to try. And yeah. So my, my kids would definitely take that fire retardant foam and turn it into like a giant slip and slide off the Seriously. roof. Seriously. I'm not yeah. putting that in. I'm not. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so, so then, so then my question there is if the insurance companies are, are saying all of these things and, mm -hmm. and, and dictating that, I mean like in California, so I have a, I have a house in the mountains mm -hmm. and they do risk every year. They come look at it and tell you to, you know, cut stuff back. I know that it doesn't actually going to do anything because when these wildfires are going in the fire crowns, like the house is going bye-bye. It doesn't matter how yeah. much defensible space you have. It's like, bye-bye. So, yeah. you know, is there a point where they just stop insuring altogether because it just makes no financial sense? We're almost there. There's no all state. There's no state farm. They're all basically gone in California. For those of you that yeah. don't know, we have like no insurance opportunities anymore <laughs> in the state of California. They're just yeah. not writing new policies. Go a little bit on that. Yeah. So yes, in short, there's going to be a consolidation of options. You know, the optionality is going to be ranging from the public plans, you know, the fair plans or the citizens or, you know, here in Texas, it's also called the fair plan. Um, Which is not fair, also, by the way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lovingly referred to as the unfair plan for many Californians. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, you know, what needs to happen is that carriers need to have the ability to breathe so that they can serve the consumer. And so here in Texas, you know, regulation, you know, just general regulations are relatively low. California, it's kind of the 
opposite of it's that. It's not kind of. No, no, no. You can, uh, you can state it. I'm waiting into a dicey pool here. In, yeah, you know, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're so polite. You're, you're yeah. so polite. Yeah. And, uh, and so there has to be an opportunity for the carries to breathe. And they have to, and that is in the protection of the consumer. The current behavior is, hey, we have to mitigate the ability for a carry to increase rate. And that, that, is, that is protecting the consumer. What the, the unfortunate, unintended consequence of that is that carriers are just saying, hey, we, we can't operate. And so, you know, the, the Department of Insurance has to kind of adjust their mindset um, in the state of California because from an optionality perspective, like what you're talking about, James, that is a true protection of the consumer. And so the carriers have to operate uh, in a profitable way. They are for-profit entities. You know, they're not, right, not yeah. for profit. They like to make right. money, yeah. love it or hate it. And so in this interim period, to go back to your question, optionality is going to be limited. You know, there's going to be times where carriers are just going to say no. Mm. And that's going to be an unfair plan situation. And, mm. um, and or they're going to go into what's called the ENS space, the access and surplus space, which is a non-admitted solution, uh, which is pretty regular in high-risk areas. So it's a product that's written by your traditional insurance carriers that doesn't have to be filed and regulated by the state in which they're operating in. So it gives them a lot more flexibility to write and manuscript a solution that is catered to that area. Now, is it a better solution to the consumer? It, that's in the eyes of the beholder, but does it provide a product? And is it gonna serve them better than the unfair plan? Absolutely, for specific events. It's right. not gonna be voluminous in nature. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. So and do you see a point where, do you see a point where they just go, nope, we're just not going to provide any insurance period in a story because you live in, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to pick on New Orleans, even though it's one of my favorite cities. Like you're like, yeah. you're, you know, you're 10 feet below sea level <laughs> and the sea <laughs> levels are rising and no, like, yeah. is there a point where they just go never going to happen anymore? Uh, I can't, I'm not going to live in the absolute on that and okay. because there's always going to be an opportunity. You know, we are, we are, we do operate in a capitalistic environment <laughs> and so you yeah, know, carriers more... are going to look at that and they're going to say, how can we strategically approach it? And how do we hedge with regards to the solutions which we're presenting, whether it be by paring down layers of coverage or deductibles or whatever? It's more likely um, that that it's more likely that the market <clears throat> gets priced out. than yeah. They just say we're out. Right. They'll just keep yeah. raising price until. You know, no one can afford Until it. Nobody can afford it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Or they just so, say we're not. I mean, California, they're not writing. They're just saying, nope, we're not doing anything right now. So I'm yeah. assuming they'll come back. Do you feel they like will. they're going to come back? Yeah. Okay. I think they will. I mean, California is a, too much of an opportunity for insurance carriers because they just need to be able to breathe a little bit. Yeah. Mm. You can't. You. Can't, I mean, if you're going to be a company, you're not not going to California, right? Yeah. Like, yeah there's right. just yeah. too many people here to sell insurance to. So okay, yeah. I'm a real estate agent. I just, I'm putting deals into contract and I, I feel like insurance used to be something that you could sort of forecast, right? It's going to yep. cost X. Uh, yep. It's usually between X and Y in price. And candidly, now this was a long time ago when I was selling property, but I mean, insurance was sort of something we figured out the last few days of, uh, yep. before we closed, like, oh, right. We got to get a hold of the insurance guy. Yep. Uh, you jump through the hoops and you know, couple forms and presto, we got insurance. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't sound like that's the case anymore. So I, I'm an agent. I'm putting things in. How should I treat insurance differently in this market environment right now, regardless of what state I'm in? Yeah. No, I mean, pull it forward, pull, pull it forward in the process, you know, as, as clients are even just simply looking at properties and they're saying, Hey, I've got these three properties that I'm looking at. I'm, I'm, I really like this one, but I like all of them, you know, connecting with an insurance agent and with regards to insurability and cost is something that should be aware of at the beginning of the journey. Mm, yeah. Now, assuming that it's got a green light, go forth and conquer, we'll get mm-hmm. it situated here in the, in due time. But the last thing that needs to be done is you get to the last week and you're like, holy smokes, insurance is twice as expensive or three times, or it's uninsurable. Then you're, then you're, you spend a lot of time, money and resources in that, in that journey. And, and the mortgage company is going to say like, you got to get insurance or we're not going to give you this money. Yeah. So in the same in the same way, when I sit down with a buyer for the first time, what I hear you saying is mm-hmm. in the same way that when I sit down to go start to look at houses, I figure out the mortgage piece right away. Right. Correct. I also need to start to figure out the insurance piece, even when I'm looking at property in like at that at that phase. And if yep. I haven't at that phase for darn sure, within the first few days of getting into contract, Used, instead of it being in the last few days, it better be in the first few days of getting into contract. Is that Correct. an accurate snapshot? Absolutely. You know, I've How been much? advocating for that for a decade. You know, understanding insurability, understanding you know bill of health on that property with regards to you know prior claims and things like that to the to the real estate professionals that I've worked with over my career. You know, understanding you know kind of in that in those states that offer the option period. You know, it's it, this is your time to find a reason not to buy this house. Right. And right. insurance what, is a component of that. So and, when it comes to insurance, just to peel back that onion a little deeper, how much is the human and how much is the house? Like, yeah, is it great question? Is it, is it 20% yeah. the person and 80% the house or yeah, like, it's, I wouldn't put it on a ratio like that, you know, so how the insurance carries, I look at it as a subject. That's the human mm-hmm. and then the risk is the house. Gotcha. And so, okay. The subject is a behavioral thing, and then the risk feeling, is just propensity for damage. I'm feeling judged yeah. right now. I feel like you were looking me right in the eyes when he you was, said by the behavioral. Way. Yeah, like, He's I, like, I you're a higher <laughs> risk. Yeah. So my, so my, I'm thinking to myself: Is it yeah. is the future? Is I was, we just we have a pod that's going to be from an MLS executive, and mm-hmm. it was it was fascinating talking about where MLSs are going especially in this very innovative one's the biggest in the US. And uh, do you see it being where when a property's for sale, the carriers are putting out sort of quotes on the property is here's the details and here's the insurability of it and here's four different carriers that can provide fire insurance. I'm making this up, but like do you think or, that's part of a menu yeah, down or the to, road? Or to yeah, to piggyback on James, would it be maybe like there's a rating, right? Like, oh, this is yeah. an a prop, a low risk a prop, right, and- insurability rating. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean that. I think that that's on the on path. You know, really, right now, it's unfortunate the insurance world is continuing to innovate and continuing to digitize itself, but it's still an archaic business, and so um, there's continual disruption, just like in the real estate space. How much can technology take on the realtor? Uh, obviously the realtor still is cemented in the, in the, in the real estate transaction and will be damn in right. 
yeah, yeah. And, that ain't changing, bro. And <laughs> the insurance agent, surprisingly enough, uh, is constantly fighting the same battles in a in a, in a different in a different lane. Um, but we're continuing to be uh, put in the forefront. So I say all that, you know, the path to insurability, the path of an insurance, you know, rate, you know, risk score, you know, it's going to be done through an insurance agent. You know, the insurance mm-hmm. barriers, they don't, they have learned that going straight to the consumer with technology, they're unable to assess that risk appropriately. Right. And so with working now, there's going to be tools that are going to facilitate an expeditious fashion to get sure. that with, for the insurance aided channel. Um, but, you know, the path to answer your question is like working with an insurance agent that can do that and has the tools and resources to be able to get that for you in, in minutes, not hours, not days. You know, what's interesting is this it was a really good question that he was asking because I was just literally having this conversation with a friend who's selling his house here in California for a godforsaken amount of money. And we were having the conversation with the, the agent was explaining to him that one of the things that might pop up is the cost of insurance because he's in a very high risk area. And I was like, well, it's a $4 million house. I'm pretty sure they can afford the insurance policy, but the point's the same. Like, yeah you know, what is that particular cost going to be? And I'm making this up, but if it's $12,000 a year, it's $1,000 a month. That's like half a mortgage payment in most of America, you know? So yeah. it's, it was interesting that this question is just fascinating to me because the, the agent was starting to think about how do I get insurance yeah. into the conversation earlier? So it's, I've got my appraiser, I've got my termite guy, I've got my insurance guy, you need to talk mm-hmm. to him, you need to talk mm-hmm. to my loan officer. It's it's interesting to me how, I'm gonna go on a tangent for a second, I think it's important. Like, everyone keeps talking about how you automate this experience, and I'm going, I don't see how this goes this way. You just told right. me that I need to talk to a human because part of that is the human. Mm-hmm. We have to look at the risk of the property, we have to look at the human. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here going like, you need somebody to help facilitate this so you don't screw it up. So you don't yeah. get into contract. You're at right. the last minute. You realize the insurance is going to cost you significantly more than you can you can afford. And maybe this is a first-time home buyer, better example, where they're already yeah. stretched as it is. Uh, these things are, are huge and our industry has to be paying attention to it. Again, facilitating people through the right decisions so they don't get stuck and then lose their deposit or whatever else they put down and make this property come together. So Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that because I think this is what we do as an industry, mm. right? As an industry, our job as residential real estate professionals is to understand the potential risks and pain points for our clients and then provide mm-hmm. help find solutions uh, through great partnerships and you know the right insurance person and the right home inspector that's our job mm-hmm. yep. and so yeah something just got added to our job that historically hasn't been there we now get to worry about insurance too you can yeah. either be frustrated by that or you could be like hey that's more job security i'll keep providing amazing service to yeah. the people that I serve. I didn't two years ago, three years ago, five years, whatever. I didn't talk about insurance. Now you get to don't like yeah. it. Don't do real estate. Yeah, like this, right. It, it, this is literally people are using that word a lot lately, but this is literally what we do. Yeah. So like, yeah. th- th- be frustrated, I guess, but like just accept that that's the job. Change is so, hard. You have to innovate yeah. and disrupt and, 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 and adjust, adjust the, just the workflows for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, to kind of put a bow on this insurance is going to get more complicated for a while. Um, mm-hmm. there's lots of things that can 
that can essentially cause these issues. They're trying to figure out how to how to ensure properties in a changing environment and climate, candidly. Um, mm-hmm. And the agents need to sit down and bring a really trusted insurance advisor. By the way, Stephen's company, everybody knows. <laughs> uh, uh, they need to bring a trusted insurance advisor into yeah. this process so that when their client is looking at houses, this is actually really interesting. Like they need to be working with their insurance agent on every property they're thinking about writing an offer on. So yeah. in in advance of writing that offer. Um, so it's a it's interesting how this is shifting. Stephen, it's been really great to have you uh, on right. our on our show. I know this was uh, extraordinarily useful for our listeners. They can start to make some changes and not be behind the eight ball on this. So we appreciate you being here very early to to do this podcast with us, at least for us. Of really. so. Yeah, appreciate you. Awesome. Yeah. We appreciate it very Thanks, much. Thanks, Stephen. Yep. Will subscribing to this podcast save the real estate industry as we know it? Yes, it absolutely will. Subscribe now and you'll be able to find out if I'm right.